1: Hi, everyone. Hope you're doing great. Um, so I'm, I'm back. I'm back with the bang with my next, um, next episode of my podcast. It's been a while. It's been a while between my uh, previous episode and this episode. Um, possibly three months or two months. I think two months, um, to be fairly accurate. So what am, I, what am I back with uh, this time? What am I back with? What am I going to talk about? As you guys see, you know, we're still in the middle, middle of a pandemic, the so-called pandemic. Um, there is still crisis going on. There are still lockdowns. We're still in the midst of uh, protests. Due to social unrest and everything, so there's a lot of uncertainty going on, guys. There's a lot of uncertainty going on right now, and given all this uncertainty um, and social unrest and and pandemic, how do you make sure that you know um, you know you're you're cyber resilient? How do you make sure your company is cyber resilient? If you're a security leader, technology leader, or a leader of any kind, these days it's, it's, it's important to be cyber conscious. Cyber attackers are using this opportunity, using this pandemic, our pandemic, um, and, and social unrest and other crisis as an opportunity to to increase their attacks on the companies on on states and on nations how can companies you know work on a sensible approach still not spend a fortune of money on cybersecurity but then they could they could still make it work they could still make it work how can they do it The answer has got to be simple, right? I mean, I know the answer may not be simple um, all the times, given the complexity of the technology and the business environment. But sometimes it could be very simple if you know what your risks are, if you know what the security risks are. that being said, you know, we're, we're in the midst of some, something like a doomsday scenario. You know, uh, when, when you're in the midst of a doomsday, doomsday scenario, what are you going to do about it? How Are you going to make sure your cybersecurity, your cyber resilience is, is highly adaptable, you know, respective of the situation, respective of what comes, comes your way or your company's way? How are you going to make your technology cyber-resilient? How are you going to make your, your company uh, security-conscious? How are you going to keep your company secure, no matter what the situation is? How are you going to do it? The answer may not be simple, folks. The answer is, was never simple. But then, you know, it's time for the top management to take that ultimate responsibility for security at the end of the day. And your CISO or director or IT guy, security guy, whoever it may be, is just one of your best weapons in your arsenal, you know, to to preserve uh, confidentiality, integrity, and availability, even even during, you know, these chaotic times. It's on you. It's on you, top management. It's on you. Always remember that. When I say top management, I'm talking to the board. I'm referring to CEO. I'm referring to COO. I'm referring to CIO, CTO. Your, your CISO is not the only guy or, or, or gal or whoever you know they, they wish to identify themselves as. They're not the only ones. It's you know, it's 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 a collective effort. Security risks or organizational risks, and I think that's where the message gets lost. The message always gets lost from a perspective that security risks are always are always thought as um, it's it's a CISO's headache, or CTO's headache, or a CIO's headache. The matter of fact is, it's not. It's it's a company's headache. You want to call it headache, right? In the past two decades alone, there have been more widespread disease outbreaks than any other time in the recorded history. There's no excuse for not being cyber-ready or cyber-adaptable. That is, if you have the money or willing to make cybersecurity spend even during such economy-drowning pandemics, you should be willing to make a bet on how to how to make it how to make it work. How to how to make your uh, cyber program adaptable, how to make your enterprise risk management program adaptable. I mean enterprise risk management program and your cybersecurity program goes hand in hand at the end of the day. Top management folks as a decision maker need to think about building a highly adaptable, cyber-resilient environment, regardless of the situation that may arise. It's all about being cyber-resilient at the end of the day. It's all about building cyber-resilience. You want to be, be able to be cyber-ready and cyber-adaptable, respective of what's going what's gonna to come in, in the future. So I'm going to quickly jump into how an organization can come together to prepare for cybersecurity with ongoing pandemic or, or, or similar things. You never know what might come in the future. If I'm going to give some recommendations, well, if it's too late to implement right now, at least be prepared for the next or try to implement those recommendations in the future, so that you don't end up so that you don't end up like that technology company that had a security issue back in April 2020. Uh, you guys know who I'm talking about. In midst of a pandemic, everyone started using this company, and and and, and the next thing you know, everyone found out that that this company was not encrypting any of uh, customers' video messages. And there it goes. There, there, There it creates a chaos. From being the most popular app used during pandemic to enable people to go online and learn and do other things, it also became the product that was highly questioned with respect to security and privacy. And you don't want to be in that situation. Of course, they're back. They're coming back now. They have implemented a bunch of measures. That product has implemented a bunch of measures and they're fixing it. But not everybody can, not every company can come back like that. So let's look at some of the tips. that will get you going and be that goddess or god of cyber, or, or at least may help you see through clearly. During chaos, during the next chaos, or even if you want to implement uh, these recommendations, um, you know, in um, midst of the current chaos. Number one, get rid of all bureaucracy and bureaucratic processes tied to your cybersecurity initiatives. Out of all killers out there, this is the biggest killer of your cybersecurity initiatives. Most of the c source. Security security leaders leave because of this. Your CSOs, your security leaders, or whoever you're working with, they're out there to fix security risks, to help you fix security risks. Don't make them go through a bunch of bureaucracy and bureaucratic processes. And as I said earlier, most of them leave because of this. You give them a lot of bureaucratic processes and they don't get the necessary budget. Plus, they're waiting forever due to these uh, bureaucratic processes to get your retention, to get your retention as a top management, to get your retention on the cybersecurity budget. They don't get it. They don't get the attention. And they leave. Let me tell you something, top management. The days were data breaches tied to exec pay. Let me repeat that one more time. I'm addressing this to top management. Unless the day, the day were they're going to tie the data breaches to executive pay as a regulatory requirement across, across the world, in all countries, it's not far down the road. GDPR already does something similar, and it's it's only going to expand to other countries. With that being said, I, I know I have a long I had a long pass there, but I want you guys to think, think, think through. If you don't see a radical change, if you, if you as a top management don't see a radical change happening in terms of getting rid of bureaucracy, you're never going to win. You're, you're, you're not going to win as a top management to mitigate uh, security risks in a timely manner. Your security leader is not going to win. Your CISO is not going to win. And, and at the end of the day, you're not mitigating any security risks. You have this false sense of security. Can you imagine having to deal with a bunch of bureaucracy and bureaucratic processes in midst of a pandemic? yeah, no one no yeah no one no one wants to no one wants to deal with bureaucracy so number one, to reiterate, get rid of all bureaucracy and bureaucratic processes tied to your your cybersecurity initiatives and make it easy on yourself. So let's go to number two, moving on to number two. Don't yield to meaningless end users bickering around cybersecurity experience. Now, don't get me wrong. I'll tell you what I mean by that, right? I'm a great believer of providing a great and seamless security experience to end users. However, don't encourage an environment where folks uh, for folks or some end users gang up and say, oh, I don't want to install this multi-factor authentication app on my phone because it invades my privacy. Of course, that might be a legitimate concern, but then... Um, No one is going to just roll out out a product like a multi-factor authentication without thinking about end users' privacy in mind. That being said, these type of things must be mandated as part of company policy. Don't give a chance to such bickering and make these things as a mandate as part of your policy. Believe me, it will work far better or rather say... Not just a policy, rather say it as a HR policy. Believe me, it works far better when you say it as a HR pilot policy than, than a security or IT policy. Sometimes it works. It works like a magic. Just say, you know, it's a HR policy. So, with that being said, so that's number two for you. And the number two to reiterate don't yield to meaningless end users bickering around cybersecurity experience. There are some legitimate concerns around experience, take a note of those things, but, but, um, Avoid the situations, or resolve, or prevent the situations where people just don't want to just say they don't want to do it because of some some um, some concerns that don't make any sense. Don't entertain those things. Number three, train, 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 train your users on security awareness. I cannot emphasize this far more than anything else train your users technology is not 100% technology will never make you 100% secure technology was never designed for technology was never designed with security or privacy in mind so never 100% rely on technology as cliche as it may sound, continuous security awareness of, of your users is one of the best weapons in your arsenal, if not the best at certain times. Create a culture of thinking. Create a culture of thinking. Any email, any email that a user or a bunch of users receive that's all out of ordinary or unwanted or unexpected as a, as a phishing email or an email with malicious content. Your users may ask, oh, why email? Email is still one of the most widely used productivity apps in any organization. And it's still one of the primary attack vectors used by cyber attacker cyber attackers to deliver malicious payloads. Bottom line, build with training, with training, with training, train, train, train. With training, build that security-aware, vigilante mindset in your end users. Come up with the security awareness training campaigns that's close to the real-world examples. Constantly update the content in line with the threats, in line with the threats that are out there, in line with the threats that you're seeing within your own company. Modify it. Modify the content. With that being said, let's move on to the next one, number four, build a resilient architecture. Now, what do I mean by that, right? As we're in the midst of a pandemic still of sorts, with most of the technology workers, if not possibly most of them them, or 99% of them working from home or working from anywhere, your internet has become the new corporate network. Now, people are increasingly, have incre- are increasingly using your own personal devices. I mean, their own personal devices to access cor- corporate resources than ever before. Now that has opened up Pandora's box in terms of attack surface and the possibility of your work from users compromised by cyber attackers easily. The solution to this is to ensure a highly adaptable secure architecture is built based on the following. Well, to remind you, this is not an exhaustive list and I'm just gonna put, I'm gonna give give you guys some pointers, right? You need to have a highly adaptable architecture, whether your applications are in cloud or data center. Ensure they're accessible via a simple and secure API by your end by your end users as needed. Like, respective of what device. Um, to put that into perspective, respective of what device I'm using: my mobile phone, corporate phone, corporate um, laptop, my own laptop, corporate desktop, or my own desktop. It needs to be end-to-end encrypted and data restricted to only authorized users. If I'm not authorized to view any data, it should not be. You have ton of services these days that offer end-to-end encryption. Ton ton of cloud services that offer data services, that offer content delivery network, that offer um, cloud-based malware protection services, cloud-based application acceleration services. Um, if you're not cloud-ready, those those firms will make your application API-ready or cloud-ready for you so that you can access them from anywhere. And At the same time, they will help you accelerate, access your application swiftly. So the technology is out there, folks. It's 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 the matter of how soon you want to use it. Believe me, it's it's easy to find such secure cloud services or resilient cloud services, given the number of security products or technologies that are available today. When you implement these measures, uh, you're greatly re- you're, you're greatly reducing the likelihood of a data breach during work from home or during such uh, work from remote or work from anywhere scenarios. So number five, moving on to the number five. So reiterating the previous point. Build a res build a secure, resilient architecture. It's not it's not that difficult, it's easy, it's not that expensive either, given the number of uh you know security vendors and technology vendors out there, right? Um moving on to the next one, business continuity and disaster recovery. Now now this is the need of the hour, right? How many of us well how many of us are how many of us are in the guilty of never testing our bcp and dr plans um you know uh considering a pandemic scenario how, how many of us just ticked the box i agree i there there have been times where, where I, I didn't do more than a tabletop exercise for a for a, for a, for a pandemic scenario no i i don't recall doing doing a pandemic specific um, you know, an actual exercise, which is which is not a tabletop, right? And I'm pretty sure most of us have just done that a tabletop when it comes to pandemic. As a, as a, as, a, as cliche as it may sound, BCP and DR planning is one of the most key elements, and the first thing everyone thinks about during such pandemic scenarios. And 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 you know, that's the first thing that comes into any top management executive including and or, you know, your security leaders, your technology leaders, your CEOs, your, you know, your board, whoever. Every organization's, every organization has a pandemic plan shoved in somewhere in their policy for such situations, which never probably got, you know, really tested, you know, probably just got tabletop tested. And, and the question is, the question that people need to ask themselves is, how often does one conduct real time exercise? The top management needs to ask these type of questions. Like as a decision makers, as a decision maker, ask your teams for latest and comprehensive BCP and D or test results that spans all your departments. It's it's, it's it's not just a security risk, folks. I mean, this is an enterprise risk. If you don't see a comprehensive BCP and DR test results as a top management, as a board member, you should be concerned. You should be concerned. You should be pissed off. You should be frustrated. Most often than not, BCP and D or test results show your organization's maturity in terms of risk management. Review the results, get an independent opinion, and make appropriate invest- make appropriate investments in operations, business, and, and other in other areas like IT as needed. As a top management person, get involved as part of that exercise. Ask ask your folks why they didn't involve you PCP and DR exercise should 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 involve at least one or two board board members if you don't how are you going to know the proper chain of command for different scenarios for pandemic for power outage for power outage at your at your manufacturing facilities, for power outage at your clinical facilities, for power outage at your at your um, corporate building, or a cyber attack that took that took half of your customers down. No, the chain of command doesn't start from the CEO going down. The chain of command goes further up during BCP and DR situations. As a decision maker, as a top management, you should be on the BCP and DR chain of command. And that's the bottom line with respect to BCP and DR. So moving on to the next one, enterprise risk management. Now this is my favorite part part of the talk. this is one of my one of my favorite topics of this conversation. Security should not be under IT as much as enterprise risk management should not be under finance. Let me let me repeat that. security should not be under IT as much as enterprise risk management should not be under finance. Why? Because for ERM and cybersecurity functions, independent opinion is key. And that independence doesn't come to fruition if they report into a department that they have conflict of interest with and vice versa. Now, this leads to shoving of any identified risks under the rug. You now, if security, you now a CISO reports to a CTO or CIO, who is dealing with a lot of tech technology debt, the CISO finds all these. The CISO team finds all these security risks, which the CIO, which, which is not a priority of your of the CIO or CTO. And since it's not a priority priority, and he doesn't have the money, or he or she doesn't have the money. It gets shot under the rug. Same goes with enterprise risk management. The enterprise risk management team finds any enterprise risks and the ERM team reports to you know the CFO or someone or the finance team or someone, the head of finance or someone. And that's not a priority to the CFO. It gets shot under under the rug. Now, guess what? Who's going to feel the impact when those risks occur in the real time and the company is impacted? Now, take the same situation during the pandemic. The amount of risks you're dealing with, the amount of risks you're going to find, and if you're not reporting to the right person that acts on the that acts on the risks that were found by the security leader or the arm leader guess what those risks are going to be shoved under the rug and you're going to feel you you as a company you're going to feel more impact than the actual pandemic and you're going to you're going to go under as a company So bottom line, as you, as I said earlier, you know, um, make your company cyber adaptable. Keep your ERM and cybersecurity functions reporting directly into the ultimate decision makers or the budget approvers of the company. No, when I say budget approvers of the company I'm not I'm not referring to the CFO. The CFO is just the manager of the budget. The ultimate decision makers or the budget approvers of the company is the board. It's the board of directors. They got to step in, they got to understand the risks. They got they got to ask for all these comprehensive risk results pandemic or not, crisis or not, and act and spend based on that. Now, moving on to the next one, and this is also one of my favorites. we talked about training the users. We talked about enterprise risk management. We talked about BCP and DR. We uh, we talked about building... uh, Secure, resilient architecture that'll enable your company and your users to access corporate resources from anywhere and all that now we didn't talk about incident vulnerability and patch management. I know these are all different three different functions, but then they they're also you know go hand in hand, regardless of the crisis. Or regardless of the pandemic or not, regardless of any situation, you might want to have these three, the, these three things on top of your list. Incident management, vulnerability management, and patch management. Regardless of the situation, you might want to check whether you have a fully functional uh, SOC, 24 bar, 7 bar, 365 SOC at all times an ability to identify vulnerabilities and mitigate those patches in a timely manner in line with the risks as it applies to your vulnerability and patch management program. Now, I know I sounded, I, I made it sound very simple. In actuality, it may not be that simple, but at least it will give you a peace of mind during these tough times. For incident management, your SOC, you need to have a SOC. That's the most important thing. A 24 bar 7 bar 365 SOC. A good vulnerability management program. Know where your vulnerabilities are. It could be an operating system. It could be an application. It could be in configurations of your systems. It could be in your architecture. It could be in your design. Have a program to make sure, you know, have a a program or a process that works well in line with the risk. Most of the companies lose their game in incident vulnerability and patch management because there's so much bureaucracy around it. And there are certain situations where you cannot patch or, you know, fix uh, vulnerabilities on certain systems. For those systems, isolate, keep them on a different network, restrict restrict ports and access to that systems, to a handful of IPs or a handful of ports. That goes a long way, folks. That goes a long way. Patch management, these days... Uh, we're talking about we're talking about technologies. We're talking about some companies that are working on, uh, you know, self-defending applications. They'll they'll, they'll, they'll they'll enable your applications to be self-defending against cyber attacks. You're talking about um, uh, patched, you know, uh, patch, no patch technologies for technologies where you don't have to really patch your system. it works in a different way. So we're in that type of world. So even if it's not that simple, what I'm saying is given, given how adapt how things have changed and how adaptable things have become, Change your program towards that. Change your program for the changing world, for the changing architecture, for the changing environment. It's a cloud first, it's a cloud first world we're living in. Everything we access, almost everything we access is in cloud. We thought talk, you talked to Alexa, it's in cloud. If you drive one of the fancy cars, one of one of the one of the cars, new cars in the last five years. That's technology that's connected to the cloud. Your TV is connected to the cloud. Your laptop, the system you use, the services you use, they're all connected to the cloud, all cloud-based services. They're all cloud-based services. Everything you use today for your personal or corporate purposes, 80 90% of them is cloud-based. So plan your incident vulnerability and patch management programs in line with that. It's only going to change further. It's only gonna. It's only. It's only going to change further in a perspective of. It's going to be more more in the cloud. More more API, more 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 micro APIs or more macro APIs. Who knows? The point being you know this is not bottom line this not this is not silver this this list what i just explained the seven points i gave this this is not this is not a silver bullet nor the complete list there are some of the top things that i would highly recommend that that that, that it should be on top management's mind all the time they'll help them survive or escape cyber chaos during pandemic or similar scenarios. With that being said folks, thanks for listening to me and I'll be I'll be out with another episode sooner than later. Thank you guys. Take care.